The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, Episode 27. General West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we got to do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. All right. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the uh, sixth episode of season two, Thor's Chariot. But before we get into that, we have a little bit of Stargate news that we're going to talk about, which is exciting because these days we're always uh, waiting for anything new that drops, especially because Amazon has recently bought MGM and they own the rights to Stargate. So we're all waiting for news about a new series or a reboot or something. And this is kind of in that vein, although not quite. But we have some of Stargate's cast members are going to be reuniting for a special table reading of a Stargate script that was generated by an AI. And this is from a gateworld.net talking about this. It's going to be premiering online on a Saturday, November 6th. And so far we have Amanda Tapping coming back as general Samantha Carter. We have Michael Shanks returning as Dr. Daniel Jackson. We have David Hewlett returning as Dr. Rodney McKay and Jewel state coming yay. back as a Jennifer Keller. And awesome. basically double yay. It's going to be fun. <laughs> um, and basically what it is, is um, there's, you can like run a bunch of scripts for a TV show through an uh, AI and it will generate based on everything that it reads a script that it thinks will fit in with that kind of thing. And I've seen these online, like people do it for all sorts of different shows. Um, but this one, they're actually going to get the actors to come back and do a table reading for it. So I, I don't imagine it's probably going to be very uh, good and it good? certainly won't be canon, but it will probably be funny. I, I have a feeling there'll be a lot of humor involved because yeah, if you've ever looked at these AI, whether it's AI art or AI uh, scripts or books or whatever, they're all over the place. Now, mind you, yeah. it's still better than emancipation. I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, they'd have to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm always a little dubious by these like quote unquote AI exper experiments because a, we don't get a really good look into the algorithm or what it's actually doing. And B, you never really know how much the, um, script has been massaged mm. afterwards by the people, right. you know, has it been cut what's been cut out, what's been left in, what's been, you know, mushed together. There's always that human editor, I think behind it. Maybe not in this case, it could be good. And, um, I have a confession to make. I'm actually not Victor here recording this podcast today. I am an AI version of Victor. So You're 1980s <laughs> cartoon reference. <laughs> well, we're, we're very glad to have you here. AI. Well, I thought it was just going to be iVictor. You with the iPod. iVictor, yes. <laughs> it is like that time in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right. What else we got? Oh, Space Monkey. Oh, yeah. We, have, uh, we also have some uh, fun listener feedback uh, from... Got some uh, good back and forth on Twitter about our uh, 
previous episode, um, we have, uh, let's see it up. We have Susan Gardner, 19, uh, talking about how, uh, the, the kind of out of the blue phrase, a space monkey that, uh, Jack calls Daniel returns. She says space monkey used again, almost gate world production notes in the final scene of homecoming. I actually had, uh, Jack call Daniel space monkey in a funny little exchange. Unfortunately it got nixed. And that is from a, an online chat with the executive producer, uh, Joseph Mazzali, um, for the show. So I guess they were going to keep that reference mm-hmm. in, but it looks like it got dropped. So it would have been, it would have been nice <laughs> oh, if it well. became like a running gag. Yeah. yeah. I always thought it was mentioned more than just that one time. So I guess in my mind, it was a running gag. Yeah. <laughs> Could be a Mandela effect. There's an alternate exactly. universe where it is. And maybe the AI generated script will be nothing but space monkey. Just never know. <laughs> over and over again. Like uh, the shining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Classic. All right. Uh, so we're going to jump into our episode today. Is we're going to be talking about a Thor's chair. The team returns to Samaria to help the, clean up the mess they made when they destroyed Thor's hammer to save Teal. The Gould Herer, son of uh, Ra and Hathor has enslaved most most of the Sumerians, and Kindra, the former Gwald host, is dead. Jack and Teal'c, along with Olaf, who is not a snowman, work to defend the villagers, while Sam, Daniel, and Gerwin complete a side quest in a pocket dimension to unlock <laughs> Thor's Hall of Might. After passing Thor's tests, we are finally introduced to the true form of the Asgard. Daniel and Sam, minus Gerwin, return to Samaria, where the team is forced to surrender to Hurur. After the team is taken captive, Garwin returns with a literal deus ex machina. Thor's chariot descends from the sky and obliterates the Jaffa and frees both SG-1 and the citizens of Samaria. I liked this episode a lot. Um, I liked how it kind of built on a lot of the lore that's been going on, and it continued Sam's character arc with her as the Gwald host. Um, what are your thoughts on it, Father? Oh, yeah. I, I, this, is, this is, you know, curse one of the, the main... Uh, story arc episodes because of course we see uh, we get to see the 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 uh, Asgard in their native form for the first time uh, Thor who becomes a, a great ally and great friend of of the uh, the humans uh, but at, you know of course at this time he's he's a little miffed with them that they kind of broke it broke his toy <laughs> you know last time they were there and it's also it's also good that this is, is an extension of Thor's hammer you know that this is kind of a continuation of that story you know, so many times, of course, Star Trek is horrible for this, where they'll have some major story point that'll happen and then they will never revisit it again. You know, and and, and we'll see that in, in, in Stargate a lot of they will go back to different stories and reconnect them uh, to the to the back 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 story. So this is one of the first times we really see that. Yeah, that was nice to see. What about you, Lisa? I agree with Father Cray. This is a pretty juicy episode when you break mm-hmm. it down you know you have carter trying to harness the power of the gold technology you have the introduction real introduction of the asgard mm-hmm. which you know, we have to wait a little bit longer but we get a little bit more who they are and uh new another new gold it's yeah and it's a like you said a sequel one which is kind of nice because i feel like I, I feel like since we've been doing this jack like you're just watching the shows and you're like, oh, maybe we'll see that again. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of us are just shaking our head like, nope, never. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and I, so this was yeah. a nice one. 
I like that they do that, and I like that they bring up the issue of the fact that they basically left this planet defenseless in the previous episode. So I like that there's actual consequences for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they, they bring that up, which I really appreciated. Um, and uh, this also includes, uh, I know we talked about this at the very beginning, how on Netflix the show has a rating, like a warning for nudity in every single episode. We finally get the payoff with this uh, with the truth. <laughs> yes, you mentioned that, Victor. Here's the nudity. Yes, full full frontal Asgard nudity. <laughs> Children look away. Those with sensitive stomachs may wish to avert their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, a, apart from that, though, it it is a classic uh, Stargate episode. It's definitely one of the classics. Um, you have uh, a good formula here where, you know, you have Jack and Teal kind of defending a, a helpless population. They plant a lot of claymores. They throw a lot of grenades, which all seem to have that kind of A-team effect where it launches people, you know, several feet in the air instead of, you know, bloodily ripping them apart, which I guess we can be grateful for. Yeah. Um, and while they're doing that, Dan and Sam are off trying to, uh, you know, solve the the riddle of the Sphinx or yeah. or um, <laughs> the riddle of pie in this case. And, uh, you know, it comes together with some uh, computer effects, which really convey a sense of scale. You see it first with the, you know, the landing sites, these pyramids that you get to watch them actually being built by some mm-hmm. sort of like cool replicating construction. And then uh, at the end, the big, you know, payoff, the effect shot where we do get to see Thor's chariot. The sense of scale of it is just really cool. I don't think they ever really match that with... um any of their shots of the, uh, oh, I'm going to massacre the name of the ship, the best, yeah, well. The listener. Uh, the listener. The listener. That's it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and they, uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah, so that when you see it again, it kind of looks like any other, like, you know, computer-generated spaceship. But here, it's it's really coming down out of the Ghostbuster clouds. It was really kind of cool looking. So there's your uh, 1980s reference. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and talking about references um i do like how uh how massive the ship is Mm -hmm. um like one of the biggest things that people often criticize uh star trek for is that you're in space and you have this like unlimited like you don't really have like a size limitation when you're in space because you don't have to worry about gravity but the ships are all relatively small compared to other sci-fi franchises so it's cool to see them taking advantage of that kind of thing um i do also like you mentioned the, the construction of the pyramids i like how that like like we talked about um a couple of weeks ago you had um we had them digging in the mines with like hammers and stuff which is very primitive even though they're on these mm-hmm. planets which have this advanced technology so it's really cool to see something where it is truly advanced and alien and they don't they don't ever explain like how they're self-replicating and it kind of reminded me of when you're playing um like the old Age of Empires game or StarCraft where you mm-hmm. construct oh, yeah. things and they just kind of oh, yeah. like build themselves up um but that was cool see so like that a lot I have to admit, as, as a Zelda fan, when they're when they're going through the 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 Thor's uh, hall, uh, that uh, you almost expected here when they finish a uh, finish part of the quest, the Zelda da 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 da. Yeah, yeah, I had that written down. It's very Breath of the Wild, Tomb Raider, you know, yep. the puzzles and stuff there. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, definitely got kind of a Raiders of our uh, um, Last Crusade vibe. Uh, with the, the bridge that ends up yep. being an illusion. So that was that's a lot right. of fun. That's like, I, I made to make a note of that. It was like, oh yeah, the, you know, it's not an illusion or is it? Yeah. And of course they fall and it disappears. Like, yep, it was. <laughs> Although I have to say, and I think about this every time I see a show 
um, where they do that thing where you got to cross across a very narrow bridge. Like, unless you're under a time crunch, why don't you just, like, get down on your hands and knees and scoot across? It's going to eliminate any issues. Because it looks cool when you do the walking with your arms extended and... (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, um, I really like the arc that they're doing with Sam. Like, they don't, they haven't just dropped that. Like, every single episode since she had the Tok'ra host or she was the host of the Tokra, they've brought it up and it's been a uh, continuing ongoing thing. Um, and like she gets a, so we, we don't get to see Kendra again, which is unfortunate, but uh, yeah. we do get to see her get the um, gold items from her. And I also like how they didn't do that thing where the person gets the item they never used before. And then they try like a couple times and then they've mastered it all of a sudden. Like, she tries it out, and she gets, like, one shot off, but then they don't bring that up as, like, here's how we're going to get out of this problem. I like how they are going to slow roll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, whoa, I know gold foo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and the fact that, like, uh, you know, good trigger discipline, too. You know, uh, Jack saying, whoa, watch where you point that thing while she's waving this oh, yeah. <laughs> gold ribbon device around, you know. Uh, in the air but yeah no i thought that was very nice too that she's like yeah maybe with time i can figure out how to use this and then just like chucks it on the ground you know um olaf's axe is a lot more uh, or hatchet uh, is is a lot more uh useful in this and that gives me uh gives me one of my favorite shots in the show which is the very sam raimi shot of like the tracking shot of the axe oh, yeah. like flying through the air into the guy's chest but um yeah uh, i feel like they've been branching out um especially with the start of this new season with the filming style, like you're getting a lot yes. more interesting shots. Like there was one, a couple episodes ago where they kind of do this thing where they come around the back of the Stargate as they're walking through. So you don't see yep. them on the one side, but then they're coming out. So a lot of cool camera trickery like that, which I really appreciate. That lasts for a few seasons. And then they just, I think at some point, maybe when they move to sci-fi, they get back into the kind of like, you know, mechanistic, uh, you know, just like, Let's just get through this episode. We're just turning these things out as fast as yeah. possible. But yeah, it's a uh, that is one thing that I will give uh, newer sci-fi shows like Discovery props for, as opposed to older shows, is that they actually do interesting things with the camera shots. Whereas in a lot of ninety sci-fi, you get like here's a flat shot of the scene, and there's no real artistry going on in that. But well, I like that they've been playing with that. Well, it's not just ninety sci-fi. I mean, that was nineties TV as a whole. It was pretty uneventive for a lot of that things i mean the fact that that stargate it did as much cgi as they did was fairly major for the time i mean i don't remember at that same time stargate was on that there was a lot of stuff that had you know top of the line cgi for the time i mean some of it looks dated although i mean the 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 image of, of thor's ship and everything was was still held up pretty good yeah you know yeah a lot better than the spaceships in Babylon Five uh, mm-hmm. do, although that was a few years before, before this, and they didn't have, I think, anywhere near this budget. But yeah, I mean, when you have to do twenty-two episodes in a season, you have to pace out where you put your your money, episode to episode. And when you're going into syndication too, you're going up against like shows like Pacific Blue, which is about you know bike cops or cops on bicycles, yeah. which <laughs> you know, so you, and that's your competition. So you have to be frugal where you where you can. Right. I also think it, it st- starting on Showtime, it probably had a much larger budget than if it had started mm-hmm. just on a network show. Yeah. Yeah. They do do a good job of, uh, like, integrating the CGI shots with the environment, which can be difficult to do. Yep. 
and they also get that whole built-in uh free prop of the stargate which you can just move anywhere and they there you go you got it yeah and they do <laughs> <laughs> yeah although again our, our eight-year-old was very he was very outraged at the end of the episode when after the asgard has beamed the pyramids away the ground is like completely undisturbed where they had just been sitting a moment before the asgard's good they fix the ground too yeah yeah it's a big undo button yeah <laughs> yeah and it is it is cool that their main weapon in this is their beaming technology because we see that used uh, over and over again you know more more traditionally but but it is uh it is good that they had that set up kind of right at the beginning right mm-hmm. and this introduces the whole war between the asgard and the gold and based on that last uh last encounter right there where they basically just zap everything away like I'm going to be interested to see going forward how the gold stand up to that, because that seems to be way beyond anything that they have. Yeah, it's kind of a Cold War. Yeah. You know, they have treaties, they have protected planets, you know, you you don't go over here, we don't go over there. And you find out why the Asgard aren't as formidable as as they may seem. Um, I think within pretty soon, yeah, they're all busy and there's not a lot of them and there's they're not making too many... New Asgard. Nope. So. They're like the British Empire is now. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we do also get the return of like the big uh, Jaffa helmets. We haven't seen those in a while. They're the, they're the Horus Hawk helmets. And I do like how they, they do some camera trickery there. So, you know, in the movie, they have them where they like kind of fold out of the suit and then they fold back in. And they obviously don't have the budget to do that in the show. And so they do like this quick cut where he's got the helmet on and then it cuts away and then it cuts back and his helmet's off. Mm-hmm. They just sidestep. And you that. get to hear the sound effect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get to hear the clank, 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 clank. I have to say, though, that I, I give Peter Williams a hard time uh, for his kind of over the top portrayal of Apophis. But Douglas Arthur's as Herora has has nothing on him. I mean, <laughs> if you want like a, a scenery chewing villain. With a menacing scowl, then uh, you're you're watching the right show right. for sure. And I've got to say, uh, seeing him for the first time with his helmet off, and he's got like this—he's got the goatee and he's got the earrings. I don't get evil Egyptian god; I get like biker gang villain. Like oh. it, he just looks out of place in that armor. Oh, then you'll love Ball. Yeah. Oh, Ball's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And they, they kind of build that out that like the, the, the Goulds are just kind of like bullies or thugs or like the, you know, bikers kind of of the galaxy, you know, just, just taking what they want. And yeah, I'm from, I'm from the South, so I can say this, but he, he kind of looked like some kind of a evil redneck warrior. <laughs> <laughs> they got him in Vancouver too, I guess. I guess so, yeah. So, uh, written by Catherine Powers, the same as, uh, Thor's hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, again, some of our other favorites. Oh, yep. Oh, yeah. Um, but the very first credit after the episode's, you know, story editor Robert C. Cooper. So I think that's where a lot of the, you know, um, new story elements uh, come in, and maybe uh, some of the more punchy dialogue here, because there were a lot of like funny lines in this. Oh yeah. Um, where they're all. Uh... Oh, go ahead. I would say it starts out quick, where they're all like, "Well, yeah. I did this. Well, I did this," and then Carter's like, "Well, I was." there oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of calling out she really didn't have much to do in the early episodes of the show yeah. <laughs> well it, it of course, um, by this time she's no longer the uh story consultant she does only season one so now she's just another contributing author 
Gotcha. And, Ro and uh, Robert C. Cooper was the yep. main story editor there. And we get we get a great Teal line as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, things will not calm down Daniel Jackson. They will, in fact, calm up. I love that. <laughs> which I think would have worked better first season, you know, but maybe Teal's just, you know, messing with them as he does from time to time. Yeah. I'm going to start using that with my kid when he's having a tantrum. Yeah. I'm going to start using turn up the game on the Malps mic because I thought that was another nice line. Oh, yeah. That'd be a good thing to scream into like a, a microphone when you're starting like a punk rock song or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's Or just what's the frequency, Kenneth? Turn up the game on the Malps mic. Yes. Yeah, there's a I bunch like of that. Yeah, um, I also really like... Uh, like, I think this episode is just fantastic in terms of, like, the production quality. Like, the puppet they did mm -hmm. for uh, Thor. Like, I really like that. Like, it's it's obviously puppet work, and so you can kind of see mm -hmm. that. But I think it looks really good, especially compared to, like, um, Farscape. Yeah. <laughs> you get a lot of... Now, 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 <laughs> I doth protest. Hey. Brian Henson worked on the puppets for Farscape, yep. and... Yep. I would put I would put Pilot and uh, Dominar Rigel up against the Asgard India, but yes, the Asgard fits much better into their environment and looks a lot less like a Muppet as you would exactly. expect. Exactly, yes, yeah. it doesn't break yeah. the suspension of disbelief the way a lot of no, does. you're not you don't realize hey I'm looking at a Muppet here and, and you expect to see Sweetums running through in the background or yeah. something. But... Definitely get that impression on Farscape. Yeah, yeah, Hollywood, <laughs> my Sweetums impression. So, <laughs> but. I did think it was interesting that this Thor is not uh, voiced by Michael Shanks. Correct. Really? He, yeah. yeah. He didn't do, I guess, the first one, but he does do them later. It was the, by Mark one. Gibbon is the name of the guy who did it before. Okay. So. It's, it's Brad Wright figuring out, hey, we never actually see this guy's face. He's a puppet. <laughs> we, we could not pay a second actor exactly. and just have Michael Shanks do it. <laughs> yeah. I just assumed it was him since he does it later on. Yeah. Yeah. Just for whatever reason, for this first time, he didn't do it. I wonder if there was just, was it in the contract for the season or whatever? I don't know. I just been way, uh, they might've not been planning on using the character that often. And eventually when you have it become more integrated in the story, it's just cheaper to pay one person rather than two. Yep. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Um, we also get uh Gerwin is an interesting character. Like she she comes comes out and like everyone's dead and she's like seems oddly happy to see meet these people who are kind of the reason that her entire family's just been slaughtered. Like if I was yeah. in her position, I, I feel like I would have been a little bit more annoyed. I don't know if it's just a Cimmerian like sense of humor or something, but yeah, she she has like has some weird things in this, like where it's like like, can you take us to Kendra? She's like, oh, sure, come along. Oh, yeah. And it just, like, leads him to, like, this mass grave yep. and says, here you go. And it's like, uh, you couldn't just tell us she was dead, but. <laughs> uh, so you got to see this uh, trope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You got to see this. But I do like how the, uh, you know, uh, Thor kept her after school to talk to her mm -hmm. after sending, you know, um, Sam and Daniel away. I thought that was a really nice touch. They also have a good sense of a dramatic timing. They waited to the right right moment to beam her back down and reveal themselves. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I love that that Sam and uh, Daniel get sent back, and they're all like, "Uh oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> this didn't work out like we hoped. Uh, what yeah. And Jack's face, like, where, where are the weapons? What, what, what'd you find? And they're like, uh, yeah, nothing. Oh, we met, a, we met an alien. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like that. Daniel's like, uh, yeah. And, and Jack's like, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice callback to need to. Yep. <laughs> Daniel's yeah, yang everywhere. I do, uh, but, um, I do wonder about Thor. So it's been like at least a, like several hundred to a thousand years that he's been waiting for the Sumerians to get to the point where they can solve his puzzle. Um, which when I saw the, uh, the shapes on the wall, the triangle, the circle and the square, I was really, really hoping that the next one was going to be an X. So you get the whole, uh, PlayStation controller in there, but oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I guess, is he just, just chilling out waiting for them or was he like in the middle of something else and then he gets the call on his uh, space phone and he's got to hop on I, there. He didn't have to get I, dressed. So I guess that wasn't a problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he said he was, he was in his room in on the spaceship. So I would assume that meant that he was off doing whatever he was doing across the galaxy and hit maximum warp to get back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got there pretty darn fast too. Mm-hmm. Just in time. Yeah. Travels at the speed of plot. Yep. Oh, and um, actually, pi is not the relationship between the circumference and the radius of the circle. It is the relationship between the radius and the diameter of the circle. So, excuse me, Daniel Jackson. I just had to like correct that. Episode. I hope that's correct. Actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just yeah. ruined my childhood. <laughs> the internet is uh, alive with people attacking the. Uh... The, the circle puzzle? No, not just the circle, but all of the puzzles. That he got yeah. it wrong. Like all of his interpretations were not correct. The, the numbers were in the wrong order, and what the meanings of the 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 runes were wrong for some of them, and yeah. <laughs> so it was like a Sierra game puzzle. If you've ever played an old Sierra adventure game, right. and they were basically unwinnable because the puzzles were so like obscure and unfair. It's kind of like one of those. Yep. And maybe he had the strategy guide or the cheat book or something. <laughs> He went to asgardfacts.com or something. He had a up, down, up, down, left, right. uh... Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, select, start. Yep. There you go. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, I I grew up with the Konami games on Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the proudest achievement of my childhood was getting my name published in GamePro because I tried the Konami code on a Sega Master System game and it worked. And I sent that into GamePro. Oh, that's awesome. I got my... My tip published in GamePro. Yes, wow. it was definitely a, a proud moment for me. Yes, Captain Silver on the Sega Master System. I think I was one of five people in the U.S. who actually bought that. But... You're, you're one of ten people who actually bought the Sega Master System in the U.S., so I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I kind of regret that and not getting a Nintendo, but. I have one taking a problem. No, I have a Nintendo. Uh, NES? Yeah, it's in like. Oh, awesome! Pieces right now, got to put it back together. Oh, excellent! <laughs> yeah, no, I'll take you up on that for sure. Yeah. So, anyways, as we're tangenting, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I got a kick out of the fact that as as they're being marched, presumably to their death, as they thought. Um, Daniel says, "Well, as the Sioux says, today is a good day to die," and that is an actual quote, so reportedly from uh, Chief Sitting Bull. He he hmm. said. In, in basically follow me today is a good day to die so the sioux said it before the, the klingons did so there 
But it does sound better in the original Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're about to, sorry. Stole the Star Trek five uh, or three Six. thunder, whichever one Six. that was. Six. Well, okay. Shakespeare sounds better in the original Klingon. Yeah. I do like uh, how the ship has kind of a hammer motif. Mm-hmm. They go with that. It's got the big, big wide bridge at the front. And I love any sci-fi that's got a big spaceship. So I'm excited to see more of that. I know later on we're you know, like the Daedalus and stuff like that. So yep. some human to, ships, which aren't quite as yeah. big, but they're still pretty impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Asgard actually um, redesigns their, their flagship yep. uh, later on and, and gives it a cool name. Oh, nice. Yep. <laughs> okay. Did anyone else go? Okay. Tilt goes, oh, that's an Asgard mothership. We're like, hmm, last season you weren't really sure who the Asgard was. Yeah. Yeah, it's we have we have old Jaffa hunting techniques of uh of basically outflanking your opponent, and then yeah, just like it's all I've heard about them in legend. You know, it's like that's great. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the, there's a the tough part about legend for everything. Well, you know, Tilk knows a lot of things when he needs to know a lot of things. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Starting to get the vibe. He's just saying it's a Jaffa legend whenever he doesn't actually know something to make himself seem smarter. So kind of like when we say he's Catholics, it's a mystery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, this is Jafal legend. <laughs> or he's like that guy, like when, when you're out trying to fix your car, he just walks up and like, you know, tells you what you're doing wrong. And, you know, yeah, I don't know. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure he was just taking some context clues at that point. Yeah. Oh, the fact that, yeah, the Asgard yeah. were, were calling in their ship. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Now, of course, we have the we have the Star Wars callback because you got Sam that says, I have a really bad feeling about this. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's it's like obligatory. That's in any Star Wars show now. So, of course, they have to call that back in Stargate. Except for The Last Jedi, because it had to be compared. Yeah. Wow. Wait, what? What? I don't, I don't know this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not one of the it's not one of the three Star Wars movies that exist. So we're good. There you go. <laughs> Actually, I'm only to give. The- Tell me, they at least put the Wilhelm scream in it, yeah. though. I'm willing to give the prequels only because Clone Wars saved them. Clone Wars fixed them. And to find out more about uh, Star Wars, you can listen to our uh, yeah, exactly. uh, secrets of uh, Star <laughs> yeah. Wars also on the SQPN network. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, did, uh, did you all have any other thoughts on this episode? I got kind of laugh at the beginning when they get on the planet. Of course, they're running. And, you know, of course, Doctor Who is well known for the running through corridors. And so this instead was running through trees instead of corridors. Because there was a good but five-minute scene there where they're running through the forest trying to escape. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think uh, Jimmy Aiken has mentioned this before on uh, the Star Trek show. But uh, whenever there's a chase scene, you can be sure that no actual plot developments are going to happen. While that chase scene yep. is going on, and that really felt like that kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and we get example of uh, Jack O'Neill's like lack of tactical knowledge when you have the Gould sitting there and two Jaffa. You're undercover with a you know you have a suppressor on your rifle or whatever, and he doesn't shoot the Gould. He shoots like the like just one of the flunkies. Yeah, you know, he had a chance to take out Harrower like you know with one or two shots, and nope. but you know it wouldn't have been as of an episode i guess if he'd done that maybe he was assuming that his shield was already engaged because they they've run into that problem before with office so no 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 they have to do this like 
to engage this. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very it obvious. Like it's a big. Yeah, uh, and it must be done a certain like way. They can't just stance. Yeah, they, they can't just touch it. They have to like <laughs> slap it with their elbow up in the air. Yes, it's like a bop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, bop it. <laughs> Raise it. Twist it. Uh, for more secrets of '90s toys, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, uh, Father Corey? Do you have any other uh, nope, thoughts on this? Nothing episode? else here. What about you, Lisa? Mm, no. So, sometimes the uh, the the really good episodes aren't as much fun to talk about. Nope. <laughs> yeah, there, there's less to pick apart. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm really enjoying it, and I'm I'm really happy to see like this is kind of hit like my perfect uh medium of serialization and episodic storytelling where you get like character arcs and character development going through episode to episode but the actual plots are more individualized and that's kind of kind of how i like it like deep space nine Mm -hmm. did really well with that and i like that this is striking that balance too and they're going to for the next couple of seasons at least Mm -hmm. yeah they do they do kind of meet out the story details, you know, the bigger picture, like a little bit at a time. So. We don't get people uh, wallowing in misery or episode on episodes on end. Yep. <laughs> nope. Or <laughs> seasons on end, like Discovery. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's no crying too. Yeah, there's not a lot of crying in in, in the Stargate franchise because they're expected to be but, professionals. Exactly. Right, I'm try- it's kind of sure like we get it eventually, but once in a while, but not very often. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like the old, you know, the saying it's like if you have fun while you're making something, then the audience will have fun, you know, too mm-hmm. while they're watching it. And I think I don't know, I just think a lot of, you know, making stuff nowadays isn't fun for the people making it. They're doing it not out of a sense of fun or, you know, wouldn't this be cool if, you know. Yeah. Plus, I think you, I think you hit on something there, Victor, cuz I I you always got the impression that these people probably really liked each other in real life and created chemistry and they really enjoyed the show and what mm-hmm. they were doing and the guest actors and all that. I don't know. That's, that was always my thought too with watching sure. the show. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't get a wormhole extreme or a, or a 200, you know, if the oh, people yeah. aren't having a lot of fun oh, yeah, you absolutely. Know, behind the scenes. Yeah. They're kind of poking, poking fun at themselves. Yeah. They, they, there's a couple episodes where they just rip the fourth wall down. They don't even bother, you know, breaking it. They just completely destroy it and smash it. <laughs> I think that's what a lot of TV shows are lacking nowadays is a sense of fun and also a sense of self-awareness that it is a television show. Things just take mm-hmm. themselves too seriously, I feel like. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be entertainment. Yeah. Exactly. Be able to have fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Samuel O, David R, Cyprian C, Esther R, and Ron B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com stargate. You can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or at twitter at sqpn. 
You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting StarQuest to 66866. Send StarQuest to 66866. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Message in a Bond. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thank you, Jack. And Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks, Jack. Once again, I'm Jack Berizzini. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think?